The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in New York, and here is your top five at five. Just keep the records coming. The Dow looking to keep rising as the big take rotation takes a big breather for now. Expanding access to vaccines. The White House says Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, and others should let any company make the life-saving vaccines Big Pharma, not happy. Peloton finally giving in, recalling its treadmills for safety reason. As that stock tanks, the CEO says he's sorry. Taking on China, global pressure rising as China gets more aggressive around Taiwan. A former senior CIA official is here. And get ready for the summer of travel. Another exec out with a very optimistic take. And what he is seeing right now on this Thursday, May 6th, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world you may be watching. I'm Brian Sullivan. Happy Thursday. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get right to it. Here's how your markets and your money and the global markets are setting up their day. They're setting them up fairly nicely. Futures, they are higher once again, not by a lot, but the Dow is up 26 NASDAQ up more. NASDAQ futures up 36 right now. All this after Janet Yellen quickly did a U-turn, talking up higher rates on Tuesday, changed her mind on Tuesday night. That helped the markets on Wednesday. We hit another new high for the Dow. Not quite for the S&P and the NASDAQ. They dipped slightly, but the blue chips, they were up again. The NASDAQ, by the way, in this big tech rotation, something we talk a lot about, seeing its fourth straight losing session And now it's longest daily losing streak since October. I mean, it's only four days and it hasn't had any huge down days except for Tuesday. But still, four days in this market is something to watch. The real story that either seems to be brewing or continues to brew, depending on how you look at it, is really two things, oil and cryptos. First up, the oil stocks. The XLE and some other ETFs are up more than 6% this week. A lot of money has been rotating into energy. Remember, got dumped, got sold off, so it's under-owned. Any move in oil means that we might see some new buyers come in in a market where there has not been a lot of buyers. That could result in outsized moved. moves. rather. Speaking of outsized moves, how about cryptos? Always on the forefront of the conversation. And Ethereum continues to move higher. Now, today it's down about 1.5%, 1.5%, but it's still at 34.30. It is skyrocketed this year. Ripple, the only crypto that's up right now, but we'll see what happens. This is a fast moving market. And I know you're talking about it, but if you have not been or you've been living under a rock or whatever, Dogecoin hitting a new high of 69 cents yesterday. Remember, it was half a penny just over a month ago. Let's put it in a different way, shall we? If you just took a flyer on January 1st and put $1,000 into Dogecoin on a lark, why not, right? You had it to burn, 
Forget about it. That $1,000 would be $120,000 today. Dogecoin started as a fake crypto is up 1,200% since the beginning of the year. Fake crypto, real money. By the way, if you did that, congratulations. All right, let's go now around the world. A mostly positive session across Asia. Overnight, Japan's Nikkei surging nearly 2% after their markets opened there for the first time in a week, kind of following us higher. They were off for the Golden Week holiday for the better part of a week. And checking the early trade in the European market, where the Bank of England's latest interest rate decision is out in just a couple of hours, 7.30 a.m. Eastern time, two and a half hours. We are seeing very slight gains, but green on the screen and across the board. All right, now let's step out of the markets and get to some of this morning's top stories, including new developments on the vaccine front. Some big ones, and maybe big ones at Big Pharma, is not exactly thrilled about. Bertha Coombs has that and more. Bertha, good to see you and good morning. Good morning, Brian. The Biden administration has announced that it is throwing its support behind waiving intellectual property protections for COVID-19 vaccines. That waiver could remove obstacles to ramping up the production of vaccines in developing countries. In a statement, U.S. Trade Rep. Catherine Tai said the extraordinary circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic call for extraordinary measures. Now, the move comes as coronavirus infections surge in countries that have struggled to procure or distribute vaccines, including India. Shares of U.S. vaccine producers all plunged on that news. You don't even see the difference intraday. They really just fell. Sticking with the vaccine makers, Moderna says its COVID booster shot has generated a promising immune response against variants of the virus. The company has been testing a 50 microgram dose of its vaccine in previously vaccinated individuals. It says that shot increased neutralizing antibody responses against the original virus, as well as the South African and Brazil variants. And shares of Peloton continue to fall after the company reversed its decision and issued a voluntary recall of its treadmills over a deadly accident involving the device. This morning's losses come after the stock fell nearly 15% yesterday, wiping more than $4 billion in market value. The Bank of America has slashed its rating on Peloton to neutral from buy amid the fallout. Not a pretty picture there, Brian. Back over to you. No, no, certainly not here. And the recall there, I mean, let, let's be honest, just from a fundamental perspective as well, recalls on things like these, these treadmills, not just Pelotons, any are spectacularly heavy and hard to move as well. The logistical challenge of this yeah. recall and the safety challenge is going to be a very big one uh, for Peloton, and the stock is reflecting that. Bertha Coombs, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you very much. All right, now let's get back to the markets and your money, because your first guess today says, yes, inflation does remain a threat, maybe to the markets, maybe to stocks and the economy. However, right now, it looks like companies can deal with their higher prices by passing on higher prices to you or their other customers. Let's talk about that and maybe some technology with Linda Bakshian, Senior Vice President, Senior Portfolio Manager and Head of the Value Income Team at Federated Hermes. So, Linda, it's great to have you on. Thanks for kicking off the show for us as well. Inflation, we did our, uh, about two weeks ago, a wall of inflation. We showed everything that was up in price. We actually ran out of room on our giant wall at CNBC, but it sounds like 
you're not that concerned about it right now. How come? Well, I think inflation at the moment is going to be running a little bit harder than expected just because the demand is so high. You know, we have been in our homes for so long. We haven't been really spending a lot. So the demand is hot and manufacturing is has been less. So, you know, supply is lower. So in the shorter term, inflation could run a little bit hotter. However, the forces that were in place before, disinflationary forces that were in place before the pandemic have only accelerated through this pandemic. So as you look through to 2022, I think you will see that inflation will actually start to you know, moderate, you know, somewhat from some, from where it is here. Let's face it, you know, you've covered lumber prices, you know, for multiple weeks now. Lumber prices cannot continue at the same pace. At some point, either demand's going to give or there's going to be so much more supply that's going to come in that's going to moderate those prices. Yeah, and we talked to a home builder about that as well. And, you know, uh, of Taylor Morrison and, and Cheryl, the CEO, said, you know, we can pass that along for now. I mean, I guess that's going to be the key. As long as consumers will eat the cost, companies can pass along that cost, other customers can eat it, it won't be a problem. Do you and your team see any sign where it's simply not going to be passed along because that's when margins get hit, that's when profits get hit, and I assume that's when EPS and earnings multiples would get hit? You're absolutely correct. You know, it's empirical that the companies can pass on those higher costs to maintain those margins. So what you want to do is you want to tilt towards higher quality companies where they can raise prices. They can pass on those inflationary uh, commodity costs uh, and their margins can continue to increase. So those companies are really characterized by strong management teams, strong franchises, uh, strong companies that have goods that consumers actually want. Uh, so those companies you can find across a number of different sectors, not just in commodities, you know, a number of different areas. You know, take, uh, you know, a company like Honeywell, for example, you know, it has very strong management team in industrials and it can pass on those higher costs. Where I think companies will get into trouble are really what I would call middlemen. The middleman is where it will intake all the higher inflationary costs from commodities, but cannot pass on those costs. And those are companies that have goods and services that feed into other goods. Well, it sounds like your regular view of the show, by the way, Linda, and we certainly do appreciate that. Thank you very much. Also, not a viewer. I'm not just a viewer. I'm also a guest. But so, you know, we've talked a lot about semiconductors. What a battle, right? Shortages. What does it mean for them? A lot of investors have gotten nervous. You remain long and strong on many of the semiconductor companies. How come? So semiconductors have already corrected roughly 10% or so. But if you, again, think through the demand that's going to be coming in from the considerable amount of savings that the consumer has, which hit all-time highs, uh, you know, this week, essentially, you're going to get another stimulus that's going to come through for the next, you know, 12 months or so. You're, ha- you're going to have European growth coming through, Asian growth coming through. Demand is going to continue for semiconductors. And unfortunately, with this industry, it's not so much flicking a light and you can produce more. It takes quarters. It takes, you know, very long time to 
do manufacturing, do the uh, appropriate um, licensing and so on to bring those chips into those goods. It's a really, really long process to bring supply online. And you're already in a situation where lead times are extending and inventories are 30 to 40% below averages. So I do think that semiconductors at some point, supply will catch on. However, for the next few quarters, I think you still want to be long uh, semis tool. You'll see the lead times start to come in. Yeah, comforting words. I mean, we're looking at the chart. It's kind of a nervous time for semiconductor investors the last few months. It has flattened out. But Linda Bakshian says stay long, stay strong. And by the way, Linda, thanks for coming on. And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again soon. Absolutely. Take care. Always. All right. Well, we are just getting started here on this busy Thursday when we come back. Your morning's big money movers, including shares of one beer maker bubbling up amid a C-suite shakeup. There's your mystery chart. Not exactly a high flyer, but who is that? We'll show you. Plus, solar stocks losing some of their shine despite all the talk about renewables. Why some of the sector's biggest names have been crushed lately. And some good news this Thursday morning in the fight against COVID. Why now even the CDC says this summer could be a brand new beginning. Your vaccine update and some very optimistic projections that may make you smile on this Thursday morning in what has been a tough 15 months or so. Very busy hour. Worldwide exchange still returns. Dow futures up 33. And we're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back. It is time now for your big money movers. And today, instead of three, we're going to give you a bonus fourth stock story because that's just how we roll. Tomorrow's Friday. Why not? First up, PayPal. Posting its strongest first quarter on record, beating forecasts, the pandemic-driven shift to online shopping, you might have heard about that, boosting payment volumes, PayPal processing $285 billion in payments last quarter. Wow, stock up 4.5%. Stock number two, Etsy, revenue more than doubled in the first quarter, but shares of Etsy are down about 10% because the company is projecting sales growth to slow sharply this quarter and It is not providing guidance for the year. Market doesn't like it. Etsy down 10%. Stock number three, Uber. It did post a smaller first quarter loss, a loss nonetheless, but smaller. But it was helped by food deliveries, made some money selling off its automated car unit, and it took a $600 million write-off around its UK business. But demand for its core business, you know, hailing a ride, getting in the car and going somewhere, 
is still flat. Uber stock down 3.5%. By the way, the CEO of Uber is on Squawk at 8.15 a.m. this morning. And your fourth bonus stock, why not? A beer and spirits maker, AB InBev. That was your mystery chart. The world's largest brewers, first quarter results, topping forecasts. Even with lockdowns closing hospitality across much of Europe, everyone's just drinking at home. Maker of Budweiser, Corona, and Stella Artois also announcing CEO Carlos Brito will step down in July after 15 years on the job and really taking that company and building it into what it is today. AB InBev up 4.5% right now this morning. We'll call this the solar flare out. Shares of solar companies like Sunrun have investors on the run, running for the exits lately. Sunrun losing nearly half its value in just 90 days. All this despite tons of talk around the White House and spending on a renewables boom. Our colleague and friend, CNBC.com's Pippa Stevens is here to break down what is behind the drop. Pippa, it's great to have you on. Love reading your writing because everyone's like, wow, renewables are going to boom. Maybe they will, but the stocks aren't. Hey, Brian, good morning. That's exactly right. A little bit of a mixed message here. We're hearing from companies that there is record growth, but then trends playing out in the broader market, including, of course, the chip shortage, as well as the rising cost of raw materials, also really hitting solar stocks here. Semis are a key component for energy storage systems, as well as for solar inverters. And we heard that during first quarter earnings calls, this really is an issue going forward. So on a company-specific level, Enphase Energy said that supply simply can't keep pace with demand. They expect this to show up in second quarter shipment volumes, and they expect the market to remain tight throughout the rest of 2021. SolarEdge, meanwhile, said that they stockpiled components in anticipation of the shortage, but they've seen ship costs rise 100 percent over the last few months, and that's expected to hit their margins going forward. Slightly more optimistic tone we heard from SunPower and Sunrun, both of which reported earnings yesterday, Brian. SunPower saying definitely a challenging environment, but that that they expect to meet their growth targets this year, while Sunrun said that they expect to grow battery installations by 100%. But that growth would be even higher were it not for this tight market. And those shares up about 5% here in pre-market trading after the company beat revenue guidance and then also raised their full-year outlook, Brian. Well, you know, we talk a lot about ships sitting off the coast of Los Angeles, problems at the ports, trucking costs soaring, and a lot of viewers maybe think, why do I care? That's why you care. The stuff you just talked about, their costs are soaring. It's not just semiconductors. It's shipping, logistics, hitting profits, and hitting your stocks. All right, let's move on, Pippa. Of course, solar is a big part of the so-called ESG, Environmental Social Governance Investing, the idea being it's more environmentally friendly. So even as money flows out of some of the solar stocks, it does not appear from anything I've been seeing and you're reporting to be hurting overall ESG money inflows. What's going on in the sector? Definitely not seeing any impact on ESG. Solar, of course, only one part of ESG. And as you said, uh, ESG can encompass a host of different strategies. A new report from Morningstar showed that after record inflows in the first quarter, 
Global assets in sustainable funds reached nearly $2 trillion. And this is notable, Brian, because the $1 trillion mark was only topped during the second quarter of 2020. So really showing that explosive growth behind sustainable investing. Europe's still leading the way, but the United States is catching up. Inflows in the first quarter more than doubled year over year to about $21 billion. And notably, two of the top three most popular funds are focused on clean energy broadly. So there is still this interest in the space, despite the weakness we've seen in solar stocks specifically. CNBC.com's Pippa Stevens looking at solar and ESG. We'll get you back on soon, Pippa, to talk about how companies that make, you know, like deadly chemicals are now like, oh, we're ESG too. We're, <laughs> we're buying carbon credits. That's a different story. Thank you very much, Pippa Stevens. We appreciate it. All right, up next, some new rules may be coming from the new sheriff in town. What Wall Street's top regulator is thinking about taking in the wake of the Archegos meltdown. You're going to want to hear this coming up. Dow futures, they're up a bit. Bitcoin, down a touch. And we're back right after this. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back. Time now for your daily COVID vaccination update. Trying to bring you some good news every day. And over 321 million doses now delivered. 249 million have been administered. Over 148 million receiving at least one dose. That's almost 60% of the population over the age of 18. Over that, about 107 million of us now fully vaccinated. And that's over 41% of the population. This update also brings even more good news and really kind of a, a milestone of sorts. Cases and outcomes, and outcomes is what you really care about, by the way, continue to improve dramatically. According to the New York Times, Tuesday saw just over 40,000 new cases in America. Sounds like a lot, and it is, but it's down a stunning 86% from the winter peak. With that, hospitalizations also crashing and down 12% from just two weeks ago. All that as vaccinations grow, even as the pace of new jabs slows down a bit. The good news, 83% of the highest risk group Those over 65 years old have now gotten at least one shot. And in the best news of all, now even the CDC is growing more optimistic in a new report. We'll have that for you in your morning RBI coming up in just a bit. You're going to certainly want to hear that. Some very optimistic projections about the summer from the CDC. All right, let's move on. And coming up here later on in the show, we're going to talk more about the China threat. A former CIA official is here to talk about semiconductors, Taiwan, and the risk, plus a travel turnaround. New comments from Hilton's CEO on the growing trends he is seeing. And a reminder, if you have not already, and who hasn't, but if you haven't, subscribe to our podcast. It's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. And a reminder that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. All month long, we'll be spotlighting CNBC contributors, 
business leaders, and our own on-air anchors and reporters. Here's our good friend, Dom Chu. My advice to the next generation is to be prepared and to be bold. Two old sayings have always resonated with me. Chance favors the prepared mind and fortune favors the bold. So work hard, be the best you can be, and be ready to seize on opportunities when they present themselves. Build on the hard work and successes of those AAPI members of the community that have come before you. Big tech fighting back with more talk about the economy booming. Stocks look to keep making new records. Futures, they are higher. A new Wall Street sheriff and some new rules that may be coming. What big new steps the SEC head may be ready to take after the Archegos meltdown. And what may be the biggest threat of all right now? China growing more aggressive over Taiwan, literally as spy planes now fly nearly weekly. We'll talk about it on this Thursday, May 6th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Thursday morning. It's exactly 5.30 on the nose. Thanks for joining us. Here's how your money and investments look right now as we are, as we said, exactly halfway through that 5 a.m. hour. Well, the real story in the markets, the two-pronged move in oil and gas. Stock futures, they're not doing a whole lot right now. We are seeing Dow futures. I just said they were higher. They ticked down. Remember, at this hour, volume is not exactly robust, shall we say. The moves can be whatever. Fair value, slightly higher. NASDAQ futures, they are up 20, off their high, but they are still up. All right, but what we've talked about is the real thing, the two things to watch in this market maybe the most closely couldn't be more different. Well, I guess maybe they, they could be. You've got oil and gas on one hand, and you've got cryptos. Remember, it takes a lot of natural gas to fire the energy to mine all the cryptos. I guess I just combine the two stories. Either way, watch oil and gas and watch the stocks. Energy, perhaps the hottest sector of the market, stock market anyway, the last couple of days and weeks. The XLE ETF, look at that move off the Monday lows as well. The OIH, OSX, and some other ETFs and big name stocks, they have done very, very well. A lot of Wall Street firms continue to raise their price target for the price of oil. There are some that now have oil hitting potentially $80 a barrel later on in the year. Something to watch. Outside of that, what else? The cryptos. They are also on the forefront of every conversation. Wherever you have it, everybody's talking about it. Bitcoin, we're not seeing much move there. Ethereum, down a tick right now. But overall, Ethereum, of the biggies at least, has continued to skyrocket. It has been the hottest of the cryptos in the past month, the big ones. But I say big ones because of this. None of that compares to the ultimate crypto move. And that, of course, is Dogecoin. We'll call it the Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you, market. Dogecoin was just a couple of cents. It was actually under a penny just a few weeks or a few months ago. It spiked to nearly 70 cents. It's pulled back just a bit. But let's put it another way. As of last night, If you had just done a flyer, you had $1,000 laying around, you heard about Dogecoin, you thought, why not? You put $1,000 into Dogecoin on January 1st, just rolled the dice, whatever. (laughs) Nice roll. $1,000 in Dogecoin on January 1 is $120,000 as of last night. A 12,000% return. Fake crypto, real money. 
Now let's get some of this morning's top stories, including some big new rules that may be coming to Wall Street, courtesy of the new SEC head. Bertha Coombs back now with those. Bertha? Brian, the SEC is apparently ready to look at new rules in the wake of market meltdowns this year tied to the Reddit crowd trading and the collapse of Archegos Capital. SEC Chief Gary Gensler expected to say trading rules should be reevaluated in light of new trading technology when he goes before the House Financial Services Committee today. Gensler is expected to tell lawmakers applications that gamify trading by using appealing visual graphics to reward a user's decision to trade might encourage frequent trading that results in worse outcomes for investors. In his prepared remarks, Gensler will also suggest studying regulatory changes in the wake of the Archegos blowup. Sticking with U.S. regulators, China's Tencent Holdings is reportedly in talks with officials on its bid to keep ownership stakes in U.S. video game developers, according to Reuters. The company is negotiating an agreement with a U.S. national security panel surrounding Riot Games and Epic Games. Reuters says the U.S. has been looking at whether those companies' handling of users' personal data constitutes a national security risk because of their Chinese ownership. And Hilton's CEO is offering a fairly optimistic outlook on travel. Speaking to CNBC yesterday, Christopher Nassetta said business travel is back to about 50 percent of pre-COVID levels, with some markets showing more strength. I talk to our big customers and I talk to friends who run businesses and, and the like is that there is a huge amount of pent up demand to get out and travel for business and to get out for group meetings and events just because it's been so long since they've done it and they can't accomplish their objectives from a culture, innovation, collaboration point of view, doing it virtually forever. And, and they're really straining under this environment if you talk to people. And so it will take time. Brian, leisure travel has been what's been propelling the travel industry's recovery so far. Nasetta said he expects to see record numbers in that category this summer. But I could tell you, you know, we are having our CNBC Healthy Return Summit next week. I hope you all sign up. It's been a wonderful lineup. It's still virtual. But I've gotten some invitations for a few conferences coming up this fall in person. And the idea of that is just so exciting. I'm supposed to be at a conference next week in person. I can't make it just due to scheduling conflicts. About 500 people at a conference in person next week. I got invited to an investor day on Monday with 400 people in person in Virginia as well. And in June, I'm going to a conference in Texas with about a thousand people all in person. It's nice to, I'm going to, I have an idea, Bertha. Let's have a fire (laughs) where we just burn all of our webcams. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I'm going awfully fond of mine, I have to say. <laughs> I know. But even Jamie Dimon is like, I'm hour. zoomed out. I'm finished with it as well. Can't do it. <laughs> Let's just burn them all. All right, Bertha Coombs, thank you very much. Some exciting news there. We're getting back on the road. Business travel going to boom. Yeah. All right, we've got some breaking news from Washington right now. And Big Blue, IBM, out with a big new message for Congress. IBM just out moments ago with a plea of sorts to lawmakers and asking for billions in new investments from taxpayers in the process. Alon Moy has it. It is a new letter. She's got the breaking news, Alon. What does it say? 
Well, Brian, IBM CEO Arvind Krishna is stepping into the political fray today, calling on Congress to go big on domestic chip production and invest in making America more competitive. And we got the first look at Krishna's policy prescription for Washington, which he's calling science forward. Now, this includes backing the Endless Frontiers Act to deliver a $100 billion federal investment in R&D creating a national semiconductor technology center focused on the next generation of chips, supporting quantum technology and research, and creating what he calls the science readiness reserves, a core of academics and experts to respond to crises of the future. Now, Krishna writes, only by making science a sustained national priority will we be prepared to tackle the next crisis and accelerate discovery that spurs prosperity. Now, I should also point out that IBM operates a research facility in upstate New York in partnership with Intel, and that could reap some big benefits if Congress passes some of these ideas. In a statement, Krishna says that putting that federal semiconductor center in New York would draw on the resources his company has already put in place. Now, there is bipartisan support for several of these ideas from top lawmakers. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is sponsoring the Endless Frontiers Act, along with GOP Senator Todd Young. There has been a good faith effort to work across the aisle on this issue. And Brian, now Krishna appears to be the first CEO to personally get behind this effort as well. Back over to you. Oh, wow. A little bit of bipartisan action on the business side as well. Of course, always involving taxpayer dollars as well, but still good to see the bipartisanship. But that aside, Alon, what are the prospects? Look into your crystal ball, the odds of some of these proposals, the Endless Frontier Act actually becoming reality. Well, Brian, I really think that this is one of the sleeper issues on Capitol Hill because there has been so much focus on the infrastructure plan, on what might happen with taxes. But this is a bill that is going through regular order. They're sort of doing it the old-fashioned way where they're marking up these bills in committees, holding hearings, and trying to negotiate on both sides of the aisle. This has been a major priority, not just for Democratic leader Chuck Schumer, but also for people like John Cornyn of Texas. And we mentioned Todd Young of Indiana. So it's going to take time for that old-fashioned process to work. Um, but if it does happen, this could mean really big dollars for the semiconductor industry and for technology overall. And maybe some big dollars for the, for the great state of New York and, and Albany, the capital. We'll see. Alon Moy, You know that Chuck Schumer's all over Alon. that. Thank you. <laughs> what? Alon, thank you. Too much snark at 5.30 in the morning. Elon, thank you very much. Exactly. Oh, by the way, Albany, wow, also the capital of New York State. Amazing. All right. Now, to what may be the biggest geopolitical threat in the world right now. China's recent moves around Taiwan and over Taiwan, literally flying spy planes nearly every week. The G7 is upping the pressure on China to address a range of issues, including renewed tensions in the Taiwan Strait. Foreign ministers meeting in London, including U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, stressing the importance of peace and stability in the region. They oppose unilateral action to escalate tension through intimidation or even military force. This marks the first time the G7 has referenced issues surrounding Taiwan in 15 years. That's how serious it's gotten. And your next guest says China's aims with Taiwan may be going beyond reunification, more something having to do with the economy and finance. Martin Rasser, senior fellow with the Center for a New 
American Security and joins us now. Martin, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, We have seen amphibious exercises. We have seen spy planes. We have seen warplanes flying over Taiwan. It's clearly China is agitating for something. What do you think that something is? Yeah, great to be with you. Well, that something is most likely Taiwan's semiconductor industry. Uh, China has been very clear that it seeks to be a world-class contender in the semiconductor industry. And right now, Taiwan is the big juggernaut. So they have all the advanced capabilities. They have the most advanced fabs. Um, it's, it's a juicy target. Yeah. What is the likelihood of straight up conflict? I mean, a military incursion. I don't want to use the other word invasion. I guess I just did. Is there any chance that there is real military force by China used against Taiwan? Or is this more of, as you have said in some of your writings, a gray zone? In other words, kind of spook them and maybe spook customers of Taiwanese companies so they don't do business there because they're simply nervous about the economic future. Yeah, I think a a hot war, kinetic action, it's very much a low probability, high impact scenario. Something we have to think about just because of the huge implications, but it's, it's unlikely to happen. Much more likely is what you said, right? Gray zone tactics. And this is that area between peace and war. There's a variety of ways you can go about this information warfare, economic coercion, cyber attack. And you mentioned the types of intimidation through uh, military shows of force that we've seen. There's a lot that Beijing can do to influence Taiwanese domestic politics. It can influence Western perceptions of what China is doing in Taiwan. I think that's where Beijing's focus area is going to be. Is there anything the U.S. or European leaders can do to stop this, Martin? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen strong shows of support from the administration for Taiwan. Um, uh, The United States has come out very strongly with statements and phone calls and visits. There was the Quad Summit that had strong language about Taiwan. And now, of course, the, the G7 statement that in and of itself is very significant that these technology leading democracies are coming out saying that we stand with Taiwan. So, yeah, the uh, the support is there. But, of course, there's uh, a lot more that needs to be done, right? We have to have a military show of force to make sure that Beijing understands that the type of imita- intimidation that they're pursuing uh, will not get them the results that they're looking for. How long does this go on? I mean, what what exactly is there an end game for China where maybe their their semiconductor industry starts to take a bunch of share from Taiwan Semi and then they let up? I mean, what what exactly would be the goal here? Well, we're we're in a long-term strategic competition. Technology is very much at the center of this competition. So I mentioned how China is very much focused on indigenizing cutting-edge semiconductor fabrication. They've made a lot of progress, but they also have some some major headwinds. In particular, they are entirely dependent on foreign companies for semiconductor manufacturing equipment. If you compare uh, combine that with the long-term strategy of the United States to keep China at least two generations behind on the state of the art, that makes it difficult mm-hmm. for China to catch up 
they have to spend a lot of money. They have to make up for human capital shortfalls. So when you consider that they have a lot of that capability sitting 100 miles off their shore, you have to start worrying about will Beijing take certain actions to shortcut their indigenous development and go for the the shorter route and look to Taiwan to fill that gap. Yeah. Well, it certainly is uh, an incredibly important strategic geopolitical story with a number of angles, not the least of which semiconductors, supply chains and global economies. It is a new world order, maybe not a new Cold War, but a new world order. Martin Rasser, we appreciate your insight. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Coming up, your morning RBI has some good news on the path forward from the pandemic. Trust me, if you want some optimism, you're going to want to hear this. But first, a quick hit on some other key headlines on this Thursday. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm heading to the Hill for a meeting with lawmakers today. She's expected to touch on the strategic importance of rare earth minerals, something we just talked about after an IEA report and warned of the critical supply shortage for many of these minerals for electric cars and other renewable technologies, most of which, by the way, are sourced out of China and have to be ramped up in the next few decades. Waiting for a new Ford Bronco? Well, you might have to wait a little bit longer later this year. Ford confirming the global semiconductor shortage will impact early output of its Bronco SUV and Ranger pickup truck. However, Ford did note the delay will not impact plans to deliver the vehicles to dealers at least this summer. And it's got the right stuff. A SpaceX Starship prototype has successfully landed after its test flight. This was the first test to end without obliterating the rocket after four previous high-altitude tests. You go, SpaceX. We're going to go for a commercial break, and we're back in two minutes. All right, welcome back. Time for your morning RBI. And let's stay focused on COVID like we did earlier in our vaccine update. And again, with some very positive news that is not getting a lot of attention elsewhere. Now, each week, the CDC puts out a report on data and trends. It is wonky. It is hard to read. It doesn't usually make headlines. But this one should. Because the CDC now estimates that should vaccines and what they call NPIs, non-pharmaceutical interventions, basically treatments, keep improving. New COVID cases, and that is their chart, could be nearly wiped out by July. The blue lines on the bottom, that is high vaccination, high treatments. It gets a little worse. Even the most bearish estimate shows pretty much a September collapse. Look at that. And there's another reason to be optimistic. The CDC's estimates have, with all due respect, generally been wrong to the upside, meaning the actual numbers have tended to be a lot better than the estimates. So if that is also the case here, it could mean we can really finally see most of this pandemic burn out by early summer. And that's according to the CDC's own estimates. Not gone, but wiped out nearly completely, according to the CDC. Let us hope. Let's call that random, but optimistic. All right, we're going to take a short break. And up next, Matrix Advisors David Katz is here to lay out why he thinks stocks still have plenty of room to run, but not for the reason you might think.
All right. Welcome back and good morning. Dow futures up 11. And let us welcome in David Katz, chief investment officer at Matrix Asset Advisors. David, great to have you back on. You probably heard my tease about markets going up, but not for the reasons. You went back to 1938. I mean, wow. And looked at earnings growth against stock returns. We know that earnings growth has been booming but you're saying the data says maybe that's not the main driver of stock returns. Yeah, the key of that look is that investors don't want to rely on the fact that earnings are going to be significantly higher this year, which means stock prices are going to be significantly higher. That's simply not the case. There's an exceptionally low correlation between earnings growth and then the stock market returns in a given year. And in years where you have hyper growth, where you have 20 percent or more earnings growth, stocks generally have done nine or 10 percent. So we think stocks can go higher from here, but it's not going to be driven by the fact that earnings are robust. You can't, David, you're, you know you're wiping out like 50% of our coverage here on CNBC by saying that. We talk about earnings season every quarter. My gosh, forget about that report. I'm semi-kidding. So what does drive stock returns then? If it's not necessarily earnings, what is it? You think it's things like uh, inflation rate, where interest rates are, the direction of the economy, uh, and valuation. And we think a number of those things are pretty positive. Probably the biggest driver right now of stocks is the fact that you have an improving economy and tremendous liquidity out there. So there's a lot of money chasing stocks right now. We think from an investor perspective, you just don't want to get caught up in the things that are the richest value stocks. You've had a lot of rotations this year where things that lagged in 2020 are starting to do better in 2021. We think that's going to continue. Growth is slowed down. Values come back. Uh, higher dividend stocks, which were miserable mm-hmm. last year, have started to do better. We think there's a lot more on the table for them to do well. Certain groups that have not done as well this year, like healthcare, drug stocks, some consumer stables, telecom, uh, we think are poised to do a whole lot better. Uh, And if you look at some of the hottest stocks, like the tech and the stay-at-home place, they're cooling down. We're still a little bit wary about those. But you like Qualcomm. We do like Qualcomm. So you've had this sell-up in technology. It's been an across-the-board sell-up. We think if you look at things specifically, there are certain stocks that have come back down to reasonable levels. So Qualcomm, uh, which has great prospects, it is a 5G play. The business is running well. They're doing well internationally and in the U.S., sells at about 17 and a half times earnings. So those are the type of sub technology companies that we'd be putting money into during the sell-off. If you can get a really good business under 20 times earnings, we're all for it. Uh, if you have a really good business, but it's selling at 50 or 70 times earnings, we're a little bit wary. And quickly, Fiserv, another favorite of yours, David. Uh, Fiserv has very good prospects in terms of technology and financials. They're a processing company. They're probably one of the cheapest processing companies out there. Great management, very focused on shareholder value, buying back a boatload of stock, and you're getting it at a pretty attractive valuation. They had good earnings, but KKR sold some stock. The stock has sold off as a result of that. We think it's a great entry point. All right. We love some great stock picks there. Qualcomm and Fiserv as well in a fascinating historical study on earnings of the markets. And that's why we have you on, David Katz. A real pleasure. Have a great day, my friend. Take care. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you all for watching or listening on the radio. Check out our podcast. We'll see you tomorrow on Worldwide Exchange. It's Friday tomorrow. Squawk Box of the gang picking up the coverage. Have a spectacular day. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.